0: Welcome to another edition of On the Continent, your one-stop place for all things to do with European football. I'm Dotson Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David College. Is this the season that will see PSG crowned champions of Europe? And what will the other runners and riders in the French Ligue 1 say about that? Also, we preview a new season in the Bundesliga with COVID in a central position before a ball is kicked in frustration. And can Spain get over their Euros disappointment with a gold medal? In other words, can they beat Brazil, who desperately want to retain their Olympic champions title? Let's start with Ligue 1, Andy. Um, All eyes on PSG, obviously, but (laughs) one or two of the other teams there, not least Lille, might think, hang on, we're the champions.
1: Yeah, and they'll especially think that I guess after the Trophée des Champions, which is um, the French equivalent of the Community Shield, happening last Sunday in in Tel Aviv, and Lille winning it. Um, clearly, there are a lot of uh, PSG leading lights who are not involved, and in, led by um, Mbappe and and Neymar. So they're, they're going to get stronger. But it was interesting, given that Lille um, had been written off. before they'd even clinched the title, really, because um, we were expecting major sales. Uh, Their coach, Christophe Galtier, went, um, which felt like um, a big blow as as well because he's one of the underrated coaches in Europe. And I I think he'll do good things for Nice, as we'll probably come to in a a bit, ahead of um, Ligue 1 starting this weekend. But the, the, the fact that they didn't even get a top-flight replacement, really, in uh, Jocelyn Gourvanet, who's a, a respected coach, but he's not from anywhere near the elite-level bracket of coaches. Um, I thought it was it was great of him and really magnanimous of him when he came out and said afterwards um, that this title is really Christophe Galtier's, Um, because... We showed that despite winning a trophy in his first game, a trophy of sorts in his first game, he's, he's not jumping the gun. Um, he knows they've got a, a lot to do. He doesn't know, of course, exactly what team they'll be starting the season with because um, it seems that they're hawking a few players, um, having already lost uh, Mike Menao and uh, Soumare, um to Milan and, and, and Leicester, uh, respectively. And, the, and those those players will be misses. Um, It looks like um, they would like to sell Renato Sanchez, although whether the um, market is out there, uh, very much like the rest of Europe, we'll we'll wait to see. Um, But it, it showed that there's still that desire, there's still that competitiveness in Lille, and they will be dying to have a little go at people like me who've suggested that maybe they won't even finish top three or four this season. I mean, I do think that um, the, a, a slightly inferior squad plus the um, reintroduction of, of, of Champions League football, of course, they didn't play in that. They played in the Europa League last season. If 2019-20 if uh, had gone to term, I, I've said on here before, I, I think I would have made the Champions League ahead of Rennes, but um, they didn't last year. And that definitely helped them in their their, their push for the league and title. So... I suppose it's unusual in a sense when a team starts a league season with absolutely no sense that they are going to challenge for the, the the title all over again. Um, but but Lil do still have that quality. It's it's a great um, opportunity for Gouvernet to prove he's been linked with jobs like Lyon in the in, in the past before his, his star fell a little bit. Um, that there is th- the sense that he really has something to prove. But I do feel that this more than any other season, it is Paris Saint-Germain's title to lose because they've had a very efficient transfer window, which might not even be finished.
0: Uh, David, fair enough. Fair enough. PSG are the team to beat. Does that mean that the others may as well pack up and go home? Um, Absolutely not.
2: Because I think, you know, teams could have that attitude every single year in Ligue 1 um, and just say, all right, PSG is too strong. Let's focus our attentions on other places. Um, but you can always hope for a PSG slip. And you can also hope... Now, I think looking at the signings that they've made, they, they say to me, Champions League signings. Um, you know, you look at Ramos, and he's synonymous with the competition, I think. You know, he's had some incredible moments with Real Madrid. Um, and they've clearly... Brought him in with with that in mind, and what he's done in the Champions League. Um, you look at their other signs as well. Again, the calibers, just really, really high experience um, in the Champions League and such, and and with w- winning. Um, and I think that's going to be really important to have there in PSG's squad. But I think the other squads, um, the other teams, have um, really, really impressed with their signings. Maybe not league Gun title guaranteed you know chasing in terms of being amongst it but they're going to be exciting they're going to be uh, you're not going to be able to take their eyes off them and when I say this I mean Monaco and Marseille especially who I think have had low-key some of the most exciting um, windows in, in window in in the whole of Europe
1: I think the interesting thing about Monaco David is very much like the last season in which they won the title in in, in 2017 They've bet on stability this season. Um, They've not gone out and done anything crazy in the market. They've just signed uh, Myron Boadu uh, from... Azed in in the Netherlands He's a, a young player who very much fits their profile, accomplished and with plenty of room to get better. The same with Ishmael Jacobs from um, Cologne, who can um, do a good job down that left hand side, and it'd be interesting to uh, see the relationship that he builds with Kayo Enrique, there, that their, their left back um, if they go back, especially if they go back to four four two at some point or four two three one, but. I, I, I do get that good feeling of 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 Monaco for that reason. If if I had to pick a team to get closest to 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 psg and you know i know we're looking for for reasons why it might not go right for them so mbappe entering the last year of his contract um the goalkeeping situation which i haven't really settled with Kelo navas signing a new contract in uh, april and then them signing donnarumma afterwards which has done nothing to keep the peace in the in, in the dressing room but um you know, we saw Monaco win uh, 2-0 at, at Sparta Prague this week in their their Champions League qualifier. And um, I think the way Niko Kovac put it was really good beforehand when he said, um, we need to finish off last season's work before we really get going on this. And that's the thing, you know, you've got to play four games. They, they were brilliant. They were the best team in Ligue 1 statistically in 2021 and yet they've got to go through it all to make sure they even reach the group stage of the champions league. They've got to play four matches to, 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 to get there, which is not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but they handled it really well. They handled it really well under difficult circumstances with Aurelien Tchouameni, their midfielder, who's one of the best midfield players in Ligue 1. He's fantastic. Opening the scoring, and then getting racist abuse from the fans in, in, in Prague, um, something that he's had his say about since, which caused a slight stoppage in the game. His teammates and his club have, have been brilliantly supportive of him. And that uh, somehow found some amazing words afterwards, which um, you, you can see on Instagram. He's such an impressive young man in, in, in so many ways. Um, but the, I think it shows how well set they are. The, the, the fact that they've got a team they can rely on from from last season already that makes a massive yeah. difference. And whereas, and the fact that Monaco held on to that talent that they had, and I don't think this is as good as the Monaco 2017 side in that year that helped them do so well in the, in in Liga and the, and the Champions League because you know just everyone thinking right we're going to stay together for that extra year. Let's make it something special. With Marseille, it's something a, a bit different because they've actually spent some money. A lot of those on, on wages for loan players like genghisunda uh, um Paul Lopez, the, the the Spanish goalkeeper who's, who's, who's come across from Roma. It, it's very Marseille. It's very eye-catching. And s- some of the pre-season performances have been very nice. Um, I wonder if they can get a tune out of these players for an entire season. And... Yeah, Monaco are a safer bet. You know.
2: Yeah, I think I think yeah, I completely agree with you. Also, it's interesting you mentioned about them having to go through qualifying. I wonder if that will hold them in good stead when the season actually does start and those early kind of months that they'll be mm. be ahead. Um, and you already said there's a there's a great solidity there um, and a great understanding there. Like you said, there's already a team there essentially. Add a few new players. What they what they have done. Their fitness levels could be really really good. And, and like you said about PSG, they might they might take some time to get going. Um, you know, in terms of getting players back from the national duty they've had, um, getting Neymar off that boat wherever he is right now, um, eating and <laughs> drinking and doing even more eating and, and wherever else he does. So yeah, um, it's an interesting one to see where PSG will. Be and um, when when they reach peak fitness and and how long that will take. Um, and and with Marseille, I I, I I completely understand what you're saying. There's a there's a bit of pizzazz there, but I think there's some just really really interesting signs that I really really like. I think the one that stands out for me, so I'd probably put it in my top five deals so far this summer is them getting Gerson in. I think he's going to be a really really big player. Um, I think he's he could end up being one of the signs of the summer. I think anywhere. <laughs>
0: Where is all the money coming from? Because this is supposed to have been the summer where all the teams in France were skinned. And yet we're talking about Monaco and Marseille making signings and uh, Lille finding some money from somewhere and Nice and Rennes uh, spending money this summer. Uh, where is the money coming from? Given, in fact, let's bring in a tweet from one of our listeners, Anshuman Joshi, who. Rightly tweets, and remember, you can tweet us at any time during the course of the week uh, to football ramble at football ramble or at Andy Brassel uh, at David jacka J A C A or at Dotson Adibayo. I don't know how to spell that one. But um, where where is the money coming from? Uh, and Sherman's tweet goes to that. It says, "What's going on with the broadcasting rights and Bordeaux's ownership?" But it's the broadcasting rights really is where the money's gone isn't it andy
1: that's absolutely right dot and we're still waiting for a decision from um the commercial court in nanterre on the outskirts of paris today on what's happening to the 20 percent of the broadcasting rights that aren't owned by amazon because of course they sweeped in swooped in sorry to um Pick up the slack from um, MediaPro, um, the deal that obviously spectacularly didn't work out um, this summer. It's a big step forward for for Amazon, but as we also discussed uh, on, on a previous episode, they're paying less in these times of distress than um, being who've sublicensed the twenty percent of rights that they uh, got to um, Canal Plus. That they're paying less for the eighty percent than. Being slash canal who are refusing to pay are getting for the twenty percent now clearly that's a difficult situation clearly um neither being nor canal w- want to pay it, and it leaves us in a situation at the moment where you could have the two biggest games of the weekend not broadcast on opening weekend and um you know M- Montpellier versus um marseille on 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 sunday night is 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 one of those. But um it, it looks like as a sort of stopgap, um BN might end up broadcasting those first couple of games. But it's a total mess at the moment. And I think Dotton, what Nice and Ren to go back to your point of have um calculated, I mean, with Nice it's a bit different because they've got the money from Ineos, obviously Jim Ratcliffe's enormously rich. Um the 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 Brit that they um we're always going to do something in the transfer market. But I think they, and particularly Ren, with the Punor family putting their hands in in their pockets that they're not always done in the past, have thought everyone else is skint, let's go for it. And I, I think certainly in the case of Ren, it's quite a high risk strategy. Um, you, you look at some of the players they've bought and you know, at least they have gone for young players, but they've spent 32 million on um a combination of Loic Bade, the defender um, from Lens, and uh, Suleiman Kamaldin, um, the, the winger from nord Zealand, who looks absolutely fantastic and who was quite close to going to buy Leverkusen last season. Um, with, um, I think you look at, at Nice, um, it's something that they're building over time. I don't think it's necessarily affected by the market, but there is the sense that maybe they could do something this year simply because no one else is in a position to and Lyon, for example, have been in a very, uh, wait and see p- position. They've, uh, flogged, uh, uh Jean Lucas to, to, to Monaco. They're hoping to sell Usem say and everything for them is a bit stuck. In the meantime, they have this weird unbalanced squad. So they might be playing a, a, a bit of catch up later. Um, the other thing to answer and question, Bordeaux have been taken over by Gerard Lopez previously, the owner of Lille so well it'd be interesting at the very least
2: I think as well just to add on to that what is very noticeable all these signings um, I think especially with Monaco Nice Ryan um, they are all very much true to type with Ligon. a lot of young players 20 mm. 21 22 the fees aren't what I'd call absurd they're, they're between what 10 and 15 million and such they are definitely made with the intention of selling later down the line, hoping that a Leicester comes in or, or whoever it may be, pays 40, 50 million and then get your return on your investment within the next two years. So it's interesting to see that model still going very, very strong. And it it still makes Leon very, very interesting in its own right because of that, because it is such a, a platform development league. And that, doesn't have to be a, a dirty term anymore. I think that, that is what that league is now. And it, I think it's to be admired that players are developed there, that clubs do have these models that helps them be self-sufficient, that they aren't in in terrible, terrible trouble. And they can potentially... I mean, obviously, this TV deal, is it, it is a concern. They might not earn as much money as in the past. But... I think they have got it in their locker still to, to make these buys and then sell on it, um, at crazy fees to, to Premier League clubs down the line.
0: What you're saying, David, is that it's a weaker league. Uh, the money goes out, it's a weaker league, isn't it? I mean, great, uh, it great to have younger players, but it's a weaker league and that makes the gap between PSG and everybody else in league even wider.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it's just the nature of the league and just how it is right now. And, and I think they probably understand... Where they are right now as a league, and they can't go tour to tour as a as a league with the Premier League or or, or with uh, you know um, Serie A or with um, you know the, where where the fees are exchanged, and, and and I think they understand that PSG are kind of on their own in a sense, but that doesn't mean that they aren't going to be challenged, and um, as as we saw last season, and I think we'll see it again. I, I really do. I, I can't. I'd be stunned if, if PSG were to win the league at a counter kind of by 20 points
0: let's turn to the Bundesliga and I suppose you could argue that all eyes are on a particular coach in the Bundesliga this season uh, well it takes takes some bottle to turn down an offer from Real Madrid so Julian Nagelsmann I suppose is the man of the moment for that league Andy
1: he is um, and the Bayern job is one that he's wanted ever since he had the uh, FC Bayern duvet spread when, it, when he was a kid but uh, some would say that's not that long ago obviously because he's uh, such a exciting young coach he, he, he's although a he's done extraordinary he's done an extraordinary amount you look at someone in their their mid thirties who's um, done what he's done at um Hoffenheim and, and, and leipzig is it's it's an extraordinary tale but um this is where everything gets real now um it's it's, it's not just it's it's about dropping no points and getting lots for artistic merit so it's is something that he's gonna have to meet two levels of expectation really um which is is gonna be tough for him and i think it's particularly tough for him because um it's come straight after the euros it's come straight after um two consecutive seasons and i realize a lot of people are in the same boat but a lot of Bayern players were, were absent. And you look at the start of his preseason, and he's really sort of playing the C team. I mean, Eric Maxim Chupamoting was the, the captain for quite a lot of those preseason games. Now they're gradually getting those players back, um, like Lewandowski with Muller, um, Neuer, Kimmich, who seems set on signing a new contract, which is a big bo- boost for them as well, um, to come. But i think you can say the most precious commodity for any coach in the the modern game is 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 time and to work out how to coach how to get your ideas across to the players without time i think is a constant challenge in um the football calendar and particularly the, the condensed football calendar of the the last year and a half he has got to get across new ideas um, to this team. And he's he's not met a lot of these players yet. It's, it's something that's very, very difficult. Now, in that sense, um, the fact that they were going to open their season, and it always happens in the Bundesliga, they play the first round of the DFB Pokal, the cup, the weekend before the Bundesliga starts. Now, Bayern were going to be bringing the curtain up on that with uh, a trip to Bremer, who are in the, the, the fifth tier. Um, because there's been an outbreak of COVID there, Um, at Bremer it it means that um, that game has been postponed and so Bayern have an extra week to prepare for their season opener at Gladbach and whereas um, there's no making light of a a situation like the one that's happened to Bremer is is, is serious of course um, Julian Nagel's man won't be against having that extra time because he is someone David with so many ideas so many different ways of playing I think, to expect Bayern to be ready to go now. Well, they're not ready to go now. I think we're not seeing the best of Bayern probably until October, November, and they'll continue to develop over the season.
2: Yeah, 100%. I think he's. I think you make a great point there about um, enjoying that extra bit of time that he'll have. I think he's a manager who loves... The training field, who loves the game away from the actual game, um, putting across his ideas, um, analysing the data and such, going over tape. Um, I think that's so so important for him, and the fact that he gets a little bit of extra time to to do that without the distraction of an actual match, he's going to enjoy that, I think. And and look, I think Bayern, you know, they, they will. We talk about his age, um, you know, we talk about his link to Bayern. And, in terms of being his boyhood club, you got to think the buying hierarchy. they uh, looking at it as well, and just saying, "Look, we—if these guys' ideas don't come across straight away, if the players don't take them on straight away, we just need to keep plugging away and hoping they eventually sticks. Because they get it right, I think, with Nagelsman They've got a coach for what the next decade or or longer. He's clearly someone they can build um, a, a, a new." A new era, and not, not only a new era, but maybe a new dynasty. With and in terms of in terms of dominance, I think he's that promising as a coach. I think Bayern uh, and know exactly what they have on their hands here, and I think he should be afforded as much time as he needs when he's, he's such a precious uh, commodity. There he is. Yeah, it's it's fair enough though. But
0: as Andy was saying, this is a step up, isn't it? Going to Bayern, it's a huge step up, and you know the higher up you go, the less time you have available, particularly in terms of having to deal with uh, stuff, maybe off the
1: field. Um, yeah, Andy, do you want you to come in there? I, I think um, the, the, the stuff off the field is best dealt with with the, the board at Bayern. And that's always been the, the, the way it's been. The, the coach is, in the nicest possible way, just another employee there. Whereas um, the, the coach at Bayern has never been a manager. You know, you, you rely on um, the sporting director, the board, normally ex Bayern figures, That they're big on that Bayern DNA to run things. And so it's not been the coach that's been the stability, it's been the hierarchy and structure of the club. Now, what's interesting is both Uli Hernes and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge have moved on now. So... The club is getting younger in every way. You know, Oliver Kahn's um, the CEO now, and he'll be running things now. They've had a bit of handover with him. But this is him with the stabilizers off. You know, Bayern will need to move in a new way. And at the moment, um, especially because of, as Lars was saying um, the other week, um, the, the, the money that they threw at Leroy Sané wage-wise, um They've got some delicate wage negotiations to come up now. It looks like it's going to come to fruition with Kimmich. Um, Goretzka, because there's been speculation that, well, that there's, there's been the will to offer him more money elsewhere, That uh, and he's the other one that they really need, need to nail down. There's a, a sense that there's some work to be done. It was a very Bayern thing to say enough is enough with David Alaba and let um, Real Madrid give him all that cash rather than do it themselves. I mean, Real Madrid gave him, I guess, 50% more than what Bayern were willing to do and um, quite where they've got that money. I mean, it doesn't really back the argument for a Super League, does it? I think it will be interesting to see how Bayern are managed from the top. Um, In terms of Nagel's man, I would expect him to get time. But I think the other thing to note is, whereas. In, in in so many ways, like following up at Bayern is always difficult in the modern era because they're this um, uncontrollable beast, this total behemoth that is impossible to slay in domestic terms. And Dortmund have been close uh, once or twice, but they've they've not quite got there in, in in the last nine years. But it does mean that whoever takes over as coach, they've got something big to follow up. Now, if you think Pep Guardiola probably had the worst of that because. When he took took charge in 2013, he was taken over from Jupp Heynckes, who just made them the first team to the first German team to win the, the, the treble ever, and um, I finished that off with a Champions League win over Dortmund at uh, uh, Wembley in 2013. So th- th- there's that perception. Well, the perception internationally that Guardiola actually failed at Bayern because he never won the Champions League and never got them to a final. That a- any match going Bayern fan would tell you that's absolute nonsense because they played football that was magnificent and at a level higher than anyone expected. And, um, you know, I I think that is his real legacy there. But when we talk about the the style of the football, as well as winning a treble, actually, following on from Hansi Flick is not easy because they've had an unprecedented mini era of success under Hansi Flick before he fell out with... uh, Hasan Salihamizic, and as we said, Dotten, when um, Flick was saying his goodbyes, he thanked everyone um, from Karl-Heinz Rummeniger to uh, the employee who puts milk on the Bayern players' cornflakes and pointedly left out Salihamizic in that, which was hilarious. But um, th- the style with which Flick's team played Bayern fans are not only expecting success as normal, they're expecting success and style. And because of this weird start to the season, it will take time.
0: Do we know for definite, David, whether
2: Manchester United have given up their interest in Gretzky? I think everything hinges on Paul Pogba. I think whatever they do from now until the end of the window hinges on that. Um, So they'll have to sell him before they make another move in any area of the squad.
1: I think defensively is 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 the question with Bayern as well. If you, if you want to believe as a non bayern fan or neutral that they can be got at. There's been no one really to lead the back line. And we talked about them going through with a maybe third team in pre-season. That's certainly been the case in defence. And of course, they've lost um, David Alaba, but they've also lost Joran Boateng, who um, if you don't watch Bayern that regularly, you might not realise as in the last season and a half. He was one of Hansi Flick's trusted ones, basically. And he's recovered a lot of his best form, despite the fact that he's still got some physical issues. So he will be a real miss as well. And he will be a really great pickup for whoever gets him in, in in the end, I think. I know he's had conversations with Sevilla, and he's he's quite keen on joining Manchester United, though it doesn't seem it's entirely reciprocated. So Diapu Diop- is going to have to arrive and... He might have to lead the defence straight away. That's going to be an interesting thing for them. And he had a kind of up-and-down season last year. He had some, some bad matches in some of Leipzig's biggest matches of the season. And he's also going to be important because when Nagelsmann wants someone on the pitch who can interpret his tactics, Apumacano knows him very well, so the job might very well fall to him. Einwurf. Schmelzer. Lewandowski jetzt, mit der Flanke in die Mitte, die kommt nicht schlecht. Schieber, Reus, Reus in die Mitte, wir machen rein, Tor, 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 Tor,
0: Tor, Tor, Tor! Let's take a look now at uh, what's happening in Spain. Well, ha, it's, a, it's a tale of uh, two Spanish stories, one happening thousands of miles away in Tokyo. We'll come to that in a moment. But David, first of all, as I understand it, Barcelona's money worries that we've talked about um, over several weeks in, in on the continent seems to have been resolved with a Band-Aid
2: yeah, there's a, a money tree sprouted up um, in the middle of Barcelona. Uh, some magic beans have been put down and, and suddenly money's <laughs> just appeared. For many, many years, clubs have struggled and such and uh, never got any financial help. But all of a sudden, Barcelona are on the verge of losing the superstar who happens to be the one the whole league is marketed around. And this money tree has appeared just all of a sudden. And it's going to allow him to stay, so it's funny there, isn't it? But anyway, yes, it, it will allow Barcelona to to do some things that they want to do, such as give Messi a contract, um, register players such as Memphis, um, Aguero. Agu- Aguero is a funny one. I'd, I'd almost they have, they've signed him so long ago now. I almost forgot that they actually had him because they you know it's uh, it's just crazy what's what's gone up. Um, so yeah, this this private equity firm that has come in and injected some money into the league um, is, is is going to help Barcelona. It's going to help a lot of teams. Um, the money is getting distributed, but Barcelona and Real Madrid, um, Atleti, who are now part of that special, special group, are going to get a little bit extra money um, compared to the other teams. So this is, this is very, very welcome. I think um, not only just because of the, the pandemic situation in football right now, but... Also, just in generally, because La Liga is in poor health when it comes to finances, even before all this uh, this situation occurred. I know you're holding back. You're holding back. So I'm going to prompt you
0: a little bit more. <laughs> are we saying that Barcelona and arguably Real Madrid
2: are bigger than La Liga? Um, they are. And I'd go as far as to say that Messi is bigger than both of them. Um, because it's a it's a game of individuals right now. Um, I think in terms of fans and the appeal that they have, we saw it with Cristiano Ronaldo when he moved to Juventus and the instant impact it had on their. Um, and I hate myself for saying this, their their Instagram followers, their, their their TikTok hits and such, and that's how they generate money. That's how they generate a lot of money. They're going to sell extra sh- shirts and such. Um, Barcelona is much less appealing um, without Messi. Don't get me wrong; there's some wonderful players still there, still some wonderful players at Real Madrid as well. But ultimately, um, it comes down to individuals. Messi is the most marketable face um, for La Liga and probably football in general, really. So it's 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 vitally important for Barcelona to keep him, but. More so, La Liga, who need to sell TV rights to different countries and such, and who need to market themselves. Um, so this this one's a really, really important one.
1: David, on the pitch, um, there are some Spanish players out there in the Olympics who, well, for whom this season is never ending. Let, let's let's be clear. We've 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 heard players not have breaks before, but to have two consecutive seasons plus the Euros plus the Olympics and. Spain's Olympic Games have been terrific watching. They've been really, really great fun, especially the the 5-2 in extra time over uh, Ivory Coast in, in, in the quarterfinal, which was which was fantastic. And We'll come on to some of the stars in that in a minute. But some of these players who've played um, the Euros and got all the way through to the Olympic final, I'm looking at uh, Danny Olmo, Pau Torres, Unai Simon, who um, there was a great stat this week that he's played eight lots of extra time in 2021 alone and not conceded a goal in any of them which is absolutely remarkable but the the one that I want to focus on is is Pedri I think we've touched on this a little bit before um 18 years old still clearly fantastic but Messi is reliant on him on the pitch already isn't he and he is one of the players who's convinced who who like lifted this dark cloud from above Messi. When we go back to this time last year when he was kind of forced to stay, Messi was like, well, I don't really want to be here. There's no project. There's no future. But in the second half of the season, with Pedri conducting the orchestra and some other young players coming through, clearly they've got a contract issue with Elation. hopefully from a Barcelona perspective, they can they can sort that out. What effect could Pedri running out of gas have on Messi and Barcelona's season?
2: Yeah, sizable. I mean, right now with Pedri, it's just a case of, I don't, know, I don't know, is is it a game of football if Pedri's not playing in it? Like, does it exist? Does it, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> it's 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 absolutely uh, ridiculous. But yeah, to answer, your, to answer your question, I think he's become that, Important And and there was a point last season when it was wholly clear that he was now the second most important person at Barcelona. Some people said that he was the first more <laughs> because Messi didn't really come into games anymore without Pedri um, finding the passes for him, finding the angles for him. Messi had to go looking for it. And you start putting Messi deeper and deeper, as impactful as he is. He's not as impactful as he uh, is when he's in the final third. So it is, it's going to be a concern, I think, for Barcelona. It's why they have added Memphis, I think. They are maybe hoping that he can um, also provide. Um, he can also be the man who, who gets the pre-assist, who can who can initiate player, start player. And yes, he is a bit of a maverick, and we've discussed this before, I think. You know, sometimes he he can turn up here and there and, and have a glut of maybe five, six games where he looks a world beater, and then he'll tail off for a little bit. He's clearly going to have to show that he's matured more and he can deal with being at the elite clubs. Um, this is his last chance saloon in that regard, really. So it's going to be on Memphis as well to step up because Pedri is obviously going to need a rest. They're going to be have to be really, really careful. They're going to have to treat him like he is a 38-year-old a um, veteran whose legs they need to preserve. Essentially, they're going to have to be really, really careful with, uh, with with how they handle him.
0: Yeah, I know why you're saying that, but I look at some of the other players as well. Danny Olmo's had a brilliant uh, postseason experience. I, I think he was one of the players of the Euros, and certainly doing yeah, well in agreed. the Olympics as well. Also, a younger player. Do do all the others also have to be protected in the way that you say uh, that Pedri should be?
2: Yeah, of course. These are these are young players. They've got the whole careers ahead of them. You don't want to burn them out now um, when they're super, super early. I think we saw in Wayne Rooney's career, he his body began to take the toll on his body, and he wasn't the same in his later years. He probably didn't have the you know the the latter years that that he should have. Um, and this is the risk that you end up doing. I think um, with young players, um, just because they're young. The, that, that attitude of like, oh, they're 18, they're 19, they don't get tired. No, they, they will. They'll get tired physically. They'll also get tired mentally as well. And it can be a lot um to ask. And I, I think especially so, and I agree with you what you're saying, and there are other players as well, but I think it's even more so with Pedri, who's at a club who are constantly under the microscope and who were beamed around everywhere in the world. And I think the pressure is considerable there.
1: I agree with that, David. I just think that... In some ways, um, we're a lot more enlightened as a sporting society about um, the way that players need to be protected physically and um, the, the way their mental health needs to be considered and, uh, and, and looked at all the time. On the other hand, I felt that with the calendar post-pandemic and actually with the conditions of some of the Euros and some of the states that some of those players were allowed to go out and play and not made to but allowed to and I do think it is a coaching staff and or a club or association's um, duty of care to look after those players on every level and sometimes make them not play when they want to um, it, it feels to me as if football has got quite a long way to, to 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 go in this in in this sense but moving on to some of those players in Spain's Olympic team. And, you know, it would be a big deal to them. Pep Guardiola still talks about the the, the, the 92 gold in Barcelona, doesn't he? Um, what about some of those players who could enhance their reputations and who could maybe get a move before the end of the window, partly on the back of what they're doing? I mean, I'm looking at Rafa Mir and um, the hat-trick that he scored against Ivory Coast. Still got a year left at Wolves, even though he's expected to come off the books and had a really good season last time around with a a relegated team and not particularly good one in Wesker. And on the other hand of the experience and profile level, Marco Asensio, who plucked that brilliant winner out of the ether in the semi against Japan and feels kind of stuck at Real Madrid. Where where do you see the future for those two, David?
2: Yeah. Me is an interesting one. He's, He's been pushed about places on loan and such. He's already had quite a few clubs for a young man. Um, and it does feel like he's maybe um, on the verge of something. And And he've, his profile and how he is is, is quite different. Um, he's, he's quite a big lad. He's a bit of a unit. And it's not the type that Spain usually produce. Uh, you're going around watch any youth academy the the number nine what they're playing with usually <laughs> a number 10 um so it's interesting to see that uh rafa Meyer come through like this and uh, i think a lot of clubs will be looking at him with interest i know atleti really really like him and that makes a lot of sense to me because they, they put it and as long as kieran trippy is there then they're going to put in a lot of crosses and me is somebody who could, who, could, who they could have in the box and especially if games are tight um for atleti he's somebody who could be very useful and he's got a very Premier League profile as well so I, I, again yeah I think I, I think a lot of clubs will be looking at and, and him is a potentially interesting one so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with him um, I think if you look it, it is it, with Asensio it, it was almost a throwback goal of when he first came on the scene I said that it was the first thing I, I tweeted out as soon as I saw it I was like it feels like everything's just been rewound and he's just signed for Real Madrid and he had that it was a confident shot. It was something that I don't think he's done enough of the last few years. And yes, he's had injuries as well. But I think when he has played, he's been short of confidence. He's almost had to restart somewhat and um, go back to basics and, and, and try and rediscover himself and what he was good at. And he's good at a lot of things as well. He's an incredible talent at one point. How, how we talk about Pedri right now, was how we talked about Asensio. I think people forget that he was that highly rated, mm. he was that loved and um, people were that enamored with how he played. The confidence, um the, his dribbling ability fantastic, his ability to pluck a shot out of nowhere exactly how he did. And this is the sort of thing that could be mightily important for him um and and I think with Ancelotti there as well it represents a new start as well. So he could take that um, into mind, I think, uh, going forward, and 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 he could build, rebuild his his Real Madrid career.
0: Well, as on the continent, is still pre-season. There isn't a game of the week, uh, so to speak, although obviously at the Olympic final between Brazil and Spain might be one to keep an eye on. But we do have questions from our listeners. Remember, if you do want to uh, add a question of your own, then do make sure that you tweet us at Football Ramble, at Andy Brassel, at David Jacker, or at Dotson Bio. This is from Ash. How do you guys see La Liga this season overall? Will Memphis make the difference this season or will it be Atleti's title to lose?
1: I I think Ash is trying to butter me up with this question, really. Will will Memphis make the difference? I mean, I would love Memphis to make the difference. (laughs) I'm I'm not sure that's really going to happen, even though his pre-season has been... Very interesting indeed. He's he's been really really good in in in, in the in the preseason games uh, whilst wearing, Moussa um, Dembele's shirt. As we were saying on the ramble earlier, I, I think I want to know how it's all going to fit together when everyone's registered. How they get um, Agüero, um, Memphis, Griezmann if he's still there in in the mix. They've got so many personnel decisions to make, Barcelona, and some of it is going to be quite ugly. Um, For that reason, and for the reason that Real Madrid are are in a state of flux, even if they're not in such a bad financial position, um, I agree it is Atletico's to lose. and The fact that they're in a position where they can um, add to their squad from a position of strength, I I think is really helpful. I love the Rodrigo de Pau signing. I think he adds something really different to them. And he's got that sort of grit and toughness that Simeone will want. He feels like a plug-and-play Simeone player to me, and he, he was, he's he been super for Udinese over the last couple of seasons. And then if they can add that extra striker they're looking for, whether it's uh, Griezmann or Rafamir or anyone else, I think it'd be interesting.
2: I think, yeah, I think uh, that's the perfect way to put it about Leti. It is theirs to lose. Um, that consistency there, you just know Simeone will love that. The fact that they've not had to sell anyone, I mean, to yet, as we record this, I, it doesn't look like anyone's going to go, question mark, over Saul's future. Um, but other than that, they, everything's just in place, whereas Real Madrid and Barcelona will have to play catch-up somewhat with their new styles um, and new players, new manager in Real Madrid's case. So I think I'd let you in an excellent position. And, and this from Rabi
0: Romero. Just how good is Dusan Vlaovic currently
1: and... Potentially. And can you see Spurs signing him? Um, I could see something happening with Lovic. Um Fiorentina have got a diamond and they've got an issue here because um, he's someone who's just 21 years old but had a magnificent last season where he made potential into product far, far more quickly than anyone expected. Um, it's been clear that he's got ability for a while in terms of um, leading the line, in terms of being a goal scorer, in terms of being able to take responsibility. Um, but last season, he scored 21 Serie A goals in a really quite average side. Um, they are at a bit of a crossroads because um, he's not got long left on his contract and he's not committing to anything at the moment. So the door is open for someone to to, to get him. And and Fiorentina are are, are taking a risk if they don't sell him this summer. And I think he's ready to go to the next stage with a better
2: team. Is the next stage Spurs if they sell Harry Kane? Is he a ready-made replacement? What do you say, Andy?
1: Um, Well, that's, that's a lot to have to deal with, isn't it? And you know they've 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 had good strikers there, and I'm not saying he's on quite the same level as Vlaovic, but you had a very capable goal scoring Carlos Vinicius turn up at Spurs, who really didn't get the opportunity to prove himself last season. Um, whoever does eventually take over from Harry Kane, it will be super tough because Vlahovic can link play. He can't drop 40 yards from goal and link play in the way that Kane does. He hasn't got the range of passing. Really, no centre forward has. So that would be really tough. They would have to learn to play in a different way. And obviously, the pressure on him to deliver straight away would, would be difficult. But what I like so much about Vlaovic, as well as his talent, he's a big personality. If he was given that opportunity, he wouldn't shy away from it, that's for sure. I think
0: it's no secret that the North London N17 radar is on him uh, we'll keep a watch out for him uh, where he goes at uh, this question David from Nick Nick Markland how many players are Sevilla
2: going to sign well as ever with Sevilla's model it's all about um who they can sell they need a, they need a big sale every single year um, it's just a model that they accepted a long, long time ago, and it's brought them great success. Um, Jules Koundé is is kind of the one earmarked for that, and he always was. And Sevilla were kind of hoping that a wild offer would come in a sixty seventy million bid. Um, Chelsea's, uh, you know, flirted with that, and 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 they've looked to to, to put that money. Um, forward what Sevilla want and once that money is in for Sevilla then they can do things then and they can add to the squad they can get players in so it all depends on that really I think ideally they would probably like 4-5 new players they definitely want a new centre forward I think they probably understand that um, they can't do anything right now in terms of peer fees even you know 15-20 million right now They they just can't um, so it's, it's all about the, the sales that they make but if they do make that sale of Kundi, then four or five players can come in
0: This was a Stack Production and part of the ACAST Creative Network